Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. It's so good to greet each other again. Our scripture reading today is Psalm 23. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Lord, Psalm 23 is familiar to us, so beloved. Perhaps we can even recite it, as we say, by heart. Open our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit that as we consider this psalm anew, we may receive its blessing with gratitude and hold it deep within. Amen. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord. Well, the Lord bless you. Thank you. It's so good to be back in the house of the Lord. It's so good to be back on familiar turf and to see familiar faces. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful surprise to receive this beautiful, I had to ask my wife, what is that plant? And she said, it's a hydrangea plant. So thank you, thank you. However, that was organized and, uh, and put together. Thank you very, very much. Um, God is so good to us. I was thinking a lot about our church while I was away on sabbatical and praying for us as a community and praying specifically for various individuals in our church who are dealing with a variety of things. And throughout all those prayers, I kept hearing the Lord say to us that he's so good to us. And I think it's fitting on a morning like this, after we've been separated by such adversity, the adversities imposed by the pandemic, that we would begin, hopefully, this unbroken string of worship services, reading from... Psalm 23. We're calling the series that we're currently doing the Summer in the Psalms. 
somewhere in the Psalms, and it doesn't mean we're going to do all 150. Uh, that's not possible, but we will take samples from the Psalm that capture the, as, as John Calvin calls it, the, uh, the anatomy. The Psalm captures the anatomy of the soul, and we will sort of go through those various parts that capture the anatomy of the soul. Now, I believe in the mission of our church. I really believe that God has put us here in Evanston to make disciples. And so in keeping with that mission, I think it would be helpful for us if you would join me again in reading through the entire Psalms over this summer. And the way I did it while I was on sabbatical, as I said last week, I read through the Psalms three times, once per month over the three months that we were away. And uh, I'm still thirsty. And I thought you would like to do the same. And I know chances are all of you could school me on the Psalms. But let's read it again. Let's take our time. And if you are able to read five chapters each morning over the next 30 days, or if that's too much for you, it's okay. Do even one chapter a day. But importantly, I would love for you as you read it to pray about it and ask the Lord to show you more and more of who God is and more and more of who you really are. You see, the connection between the reading of the psalm or reading scripture and spiritual growth, that connection is undeniable. It's undeniable. And so we heard the reading of the psalm, and now I would invite you to join me in reading it again out loud as a group, as a community. It's only six verses, and I give you permission to read it not with our in-house Presbyterian voice, but read it as if you're at the ballpark. Read it with your outside voice. And let's just hear this being read again. And maybe you came here this morning feeling out of sorts. I mean, life has a way of doing that to all of us. And maybe the psalm will help you to remember that you have a shepherd who loves you, who knows you, and is here for you. So would you join me then in, in saying this again? The Lord is... Restores my soul. And the church says, amen. amen, amen. Last week, we read from Psalm 85, and we heard the cry of the worship leaders, the Korahites, pleading with God for personal and for national renewal. And today, the psalmist, as you read it, you heard it, presents this beautiful image of God as a personal shepherd 
Sometimes we forget that. Hardly anyone would deny that Psalm 23 is the world's most famous, best-loved portion of the book of the Psalms, perhaps of the entire Bible. This psalm has helped to dry many tears. This psalm has been the mold into which many of our hearts, many of the cries of our hearts, the yearnings of our hearts have been poured. Millions of people around the world have memorized this psalm, even those who have learned a few other portions of Scripture. Ministers have used this psalm to comfort people who are going through personal trials and suffering and illness or even at the point of death. And for some, the words of this psalm have been the last word that some, words that some have uttered. These precious words have endeared themselves to people in every circumstance of life. You think about the soldier on the battlefield fearing injury and possible death. You think about that grieving spouse, that broken-hearted family member standing over a fresh grave wondering how they will go on without their loved one. You think about that lost person, and there's so many people because of the pandemic, particularly our young adults, feeling lost, looking for security, wandering from pillar to post, looking for forgiveness and direction. And this psalm is very helpful. People who are lonely and looking for a sense of security and friendship and love and companionship. You think about those who are suffering, and there's just no end to their suffering. You think about those who are dealing with depression, those who have been upended by all the turmoil of the pandemic, having lost their job. You think about those who are in prison, and they think their life is over. And people who have been rejected, canceled, dejected, overlooked, and this psalm can be a source of encouragement. All these people and more have felt the pain and the fear of uncertainty caused by the buffetings of this life. And so to each one of us this morning and to millions of people around the world, Psalm 23 brings solace, it brings peace, and it reminds us that when the chips are down, when our hearts are heavy, Psalm 23 becomes this curative, this curative balm for the hurting soul. And chances are you learned this psalm as a child. And isn't that great? That is something you're going to keep with you till your eyes close and you open it on the other side of glory. And some of you, maybe right now as parents, you are teaching your little ones this psalm. You know, the number one task of the preacher is to stir up memory. And so, as I said, many of you could teach me the wonderful hidden messages and truths behind this psalm, and so I'm not going to, I'm not going to overfunction this morning because I don't have anything new really to tell you. Rather, what I want to do this morning is to remind you that the Lord is your shepherd 
I really mean that. I want to remind you because here's what happens to us, and it happens to me, is that when life suddenly shifts, that thing that you didn't see coming suddenly comes. That's when we forget. And I want to remind you this morning that the Lord is your shepherd. And I noticed as I read the psalm again that the psalm opens with the Lord is my, the Lord, Yahweh is my shepherd. And then the psalm closes with surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then it says this, and I will dwell where? In the house of the Lord. The beginning and the ending of the psalm. Forever. And I think the Lord wants to remind us this morning that God is before us, literally, before this world was formed. God is before us. And then in terms of geographically, God is before you and God is behind you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I think as I looked at it again, with my little knowledge that I learned in my Hebrew class, I went up and I picked up my Hebrew Bible this week and I looked at all those words again. And that word, I shall not want, that phrase, it literally means I have no need. I have no need, no lack. There's nothing that the Lord will not provide for us. There's nothing that we need to accomplish God's work in our lives that the Lord will not provide for us. And you think about the sheep. They're so vulnerable, they lack everything. And the Lord says, the Lord is my shepherd. The psalmist says, this all-sufficient, this inexhaustible, this utterly unchanging God says to us, I am more than enough for you. I am sufficient for all the things that you need. And so if this is true, and think about that question on the screen. What is it that those in the care of the Good Shepherd shall not lack? And I think for the rest of my time here, we will just try to unpack that one question. Because I think that's what the psalmist does here. He says, here are the things that God will provide that you will not ever lack. Number one, God will provide rest to us. And it's interesting that the psalmist begins at this point we might expect it to begin with motion, with some kind of activity, with your planner in your hand or your calendar in the other hand and a list of to-do things, and the psalm opens with rest. It begins with rest. And I think of Jesus when he said, come to me, all ye who are laboring and you're weary and you're carrying heavy burdens, the good shepherd says, come to me and I will give you rest. Have you found Jesus to be the perfect provider giving you rest? And you can go back and read Hebrews 4 where it talks about rest, rest for the people of God resting in all that God provides, that there is nothing you and I can do to ever earn God's love. There is nothing you and I can do to ever sort of pull down God's blessing upon us. We just need to rest knowing that we're loved and we're forgiven and we're known. God wants to give us rest. 
The second thing that God provides, the shepherd provides, the shepherd provides life. The word there, he restores my soul. The word there means life. And there are seasons, and you and I, we, we know that well. There are seasons, there are times when we feel so weak, when we literally feel like we're on our back looking up. Life events will come that will cause our souls to be hollowed out, empty, depleted. But the good shepherd says, I will restore your soul. It's the same word that we were looking at last week. The word there means to restore, to revive, to return, to strengthen, to refresh. God will do that for us. I can tell you stories of how many times I feel like, okay, there's no way I can go any further because of the problems I'm having. And I wake up the next morning and I see more road in front of me. Keep going, Ray. God will refresh your soul. The shepherd provides guidance. Guidance. Times of confusion. When we don't know which way to go, which path we should take. And the Lord promises that he's going to lead us. One of the things I learned as a pastor is the need to trust God for guidance. And sometimes we don't know what are we going to do? When are we going to reopen the church? Now that the church is open, what are we going to do with all the problems we're having? And the Lord says, would you just chill out? Allow me to guide you. Allow me to direct you. I will direct your path into the right areas. The shepherd also provides safety. And I learned this psalm in the King James way. And so whenever I say it, I can't help myself in saying it this way, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I know when you, when you study this verse, there is no death in the Hebrew. It's the valley of dark shadows. But I just love saying it this way. Because when you're going through dark times, you think you're going to die. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There are times of fear. God promises you don't have to fear. It's interesting that the Hebrew word for evil, which is ra, and the Hebrew word for shepherd, which is ra'ah, they sound so similar. It's as if Ra is fighting against ra'ah, and the question is, who is going to win? The threats are real. But guess who triumphs? Amanda did such a wonderful job explaining that rod. The shepherd is with the sheep day and night with a rod. On some occasions, the rod is used to correct and to bring back. And that's why sometimes when I pray for people who have wandered off into the far country of sin, think about my own father and how my mother prayed for him. And she couldn't bring him back physically, but she knew a shepherd who had a rod who would sometimes knock him on the head with it and then hook him and bring him home. And the Lord did that for people that I've been praying for, for people you're praying for. The shepherd loves the sheep. Read again Luke 15, how the shepherd leaves the flock and go after that wandering sheep. 
And you could just see him using that, that rod, that staff, to bring him home. But the shepherd can also use that as a, as a weapon to beat back any oppressor, any enemy. And that's why we don't have to fear evil because the Lord is with us, fighting for us, standing up for us. But the shepherd also provides nourishment. And so verses 1 through 4, you get the, the sense, this image as of the Lord as our shepherd and we as his sheep. But now in verses 5 through 6, it's as if the image changes and the Lord now has an apron on and the Lord says, welcome to my home. Won't you have a seat? Let me rub some olive oil on your head. Let me wash your feet. He snaps his fingers and says, let's put the food on the table. And the Lord is now suddenly a host showing hospitality welcoming us into his home. And I love that dual image of the Lord as a shepherd and the Lord as a host. And it says in the psalm that he prepares a table before me in the presence of who? My enemies. And you can see the enemy chomping at the bit, wanting to get us, wanting to tear us down, throwing all kinds of accusations against us. And the Lord said, don't worry about that. Just focus on what I'm providing for you. Feed, eat, rest, come out of the sun. He prepares a table before us. Our cups overflow with the wine of joy. And then the last thing the shepherd provides, and this is my reading of the text, the shepherd provides a heavenly home. That's why the 23rd Psalm is so important for when we read it at funerals because it portrays life as a pilgrimage. And when we die, at least in this world, we come to the end of our pilgrimage and then we're welcomed home. That's our goal, isn't it? To finally be at home with God. To finally be in the presence of God. And that's how I would read the idea of God's house. Literally, it could be the temple. It could be the, the gathering place to dwell. But I, I like to read it in the bigger sense. That we're dwelling in the presence of God. And then it ends with these wonderful words. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. And if you're feeling hassled, if you're feeling dejected, if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling cynical, if you're feeling like, man, I don't know what's going on, remember, my friends, when you look back, goodness and mercy is following you, and it's following you all the days of your life, your whole life long. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. You know, this doesn't mean a thing if you don't believe it. If it's just wonderful poetry, it doesn't mean a thing. I want you to believe this. We have a, a, a shepherd who loves us. Our home is not America. Our home is with the Lord himself, the good shepherd. Jesus said these words, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When I come again, I'll take you to be with me so that you can be where I am. Where I am, you're going to be also. We can't read Psalm 23 just as an Old Testament metaphor because guess what? 
Jesus just messed it all up or Jesus illumined it, however you want to look at it. Jesus comes along and he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me. He says that the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but the good shepherd says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And if you read Psalm 23, automatically you've got to bring into the picture John chapter 10. You know, we're coming out of a, slowly, out of a very deadly, deadly disruptive pandemic, and people are still dying from this disease and the, the variants of this disease. It's been tough. It's been tough for many of us. The Lord wants to remind us this morning that he's our shepherd. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but we know we have a shepherd who's going to provide for us whatever we need to accomplish God's work. That the great God of the universe wants you to know this morning, first prayer, that he sees you. Can I just say that again? The great God of the universe wants you to know that he sees you. He knows you. He knows your needs. And this is not the view of a God who is so far off into somewhere universe that we're constantly working, trying to, to, to draw God's attention. One of the beautiful truths of the Christian story is that this God who sits high, who created the universe, has come down, has stooped down to us in the person of Jesus. And so I read again Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus asked this question, or he tells them at the end of his sermon, do not worry about your life. First prayers, let's not worry about our church. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food? And you say what? All right, one person agrees with me. I'm going to try it again. Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? And Jesus says, if you believe all that, then we'll look at the birds. They're not worried. They're not sowing. They're not spinning with fear. They're not reaping or gathering into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus asks us another question. Are you not of more value than the birds? All right, at least one person believes me. So I'm going to try that question again. Are you of not more value than the birds? Can you, by worrying, add a single hour to the span of your life? Good, I thought you were going to say yes. <laughs> You're listening. No. We have a good shepherd this morning. And I think what we want to remember then is as human beings, we are created then to live with this kind of freedom and abandon and trust in the presence of God. Augustine said that our souls are restless until they find their rest in God. I want you to rest in God this morning. Just, just maybe as you go home, read this psalm again. The Lord is my shepherd. And I think what we ultimately need then, and I know some of us are still of the opinion, we live on the North Shore, we have decent jobs, 
we live somewhere, we, we have a car, you know, things are going fairly well for us, that we become so dependent on those things that if we should ever lose them, we think our life is over. And what God wants to do is to wean us from that false kind of dependence. We need God himself. That's when we will ultimately be at rest, when God is at the center of all we could ever be and all we could ever want and all we could ever need. That's when we will find true joy and satisfaction in this life. We exist as a church to help people find God. And if you're here this morning and you've never really come to terms with this God, maybe you think of God as a name or you think of God as sort of a religious thing you do on a Sunday. I'm talking about a relationship with God. Then at the close of the service, you're going to see some folks standing here at the front who will be available just to pray with you and to introduce you to the steps you can take to the developing that relationship with God. If you're watching us online, and I know some of you are watching us online, I want you to know you could even in that chat, you could just type the words, yes, I want to know God in a deeper way. Give us a way to reach out to you, and we will definitely connect with you in those ways. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen.